Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From the home of TV news, interviews, and reviews, this is the Custard TV Podcast. It's the Custard TV Podcast, the official podcast of, surprise, surprise, thecustardtv.com. I'm Luke, joined as always by my uh, faithful hanger on a Matt. Hello. Hello, Luke. How are you? Yeah, it's, keep it's fine. October afternoon. I know it's that fine rain today. Yeah, soaks you through. <laughs> yeah, I like it when we steal other people's comedy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of comedy, there is one on BBC Two on a Tuesday night, which you should be watching if you aren't. It is called The Wrong Man's. It is written by and stars. James Corden and Matthew Banton, and I'm, we are lucky enough to have on the line producer and director Jim Field-Smith. Thank you ever so much, Jim. Really appreciate you fitting us in. You're very welcome. Good morning slash afternoon, depending on what time of day you're listening to this to. Or evening. Even. Happy weekend. Mm. If you're, or Christmas, maybe. Mm. <laughs> maybe they've just got the box set for Christmas. and they've got let's, the not, now, let's, not, you know, let's not narrow this down to one religion. <laughs> I've been accused of that before on this podcast. Let's I go all multi-denominational on you. Yeah. First of all, Jim, um, what has been the response that you've um, sort of picked up from the wrong man's now that it's on BBC Two? Uh, just been sort of overwhelmed by it, really. Um, you know, you, you, you when you make a, a film or a TV show, you're sort of in a bubble for so long. Um, and you're sort of, you know, going with your own instincts and the, the instincts of those people around you. Um, but you can never really be a hundred percent sure until you um, until you release it on the unsuspecting public. Um, and we were we were quite lucky in that we did a screening, um, a public screening, actually, before it went out on TV with an audience, um, which is you know, a real treat because it's, it's not often you get to watch a TV show with an audience. Um, there was a really great response to it then um, and um, it was very satisfying to sit in a room and hear people laughing and gasping and, you know, going along with the show. They don't know who they're messing with. They don't have a clue who they're messing with. They want to mess with us. What are you talking about? They're not messing with us. They're not even messing with me. I'm the wrong man. You've directed film and television, and this is a television show that feels very much like a film. What are the what are the challenges in bringing film to TV? If that makes any sense at all. It, uh, yeah, I mean, I tried to shoot the show cinematically, I guess. You know, I think we 
approached it almost like a movie in six parts. And I guess the challenge is, uh, you know, bringing bringing a movie scale to the small screen is challenging uh, because the the time scales and the budgets you're dealing with, you know, aren't are, are challenging. Um, so it's about trying to bring that um, that sort of film grammar, I guess. Um, in terms of the camera work, in terms of the casting, in terms of the the score, the pacing of the edits, the the the, the color grading, you know, every every element of the of the show was approached much more like I approach a film than a TV show, I guess. So James and Matthew, they have already said in various interviews that they they based this on things like Twenty Four and that big American uh, box set feel to a show. Um, how much of of um, their vision do you take on board, and how much of it is all you? Um, well, it's all me, obviously. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I just thought I'd let you say. I don't even know why you're asking me that question. No, I'll move, we'll move on. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted to do it was because James and Matt did have a very strong um, idea um, for the show, and that they wanted it to have... Um, a, a real kind of scale and, and attitude, I guess, and didn't want it to feel like an out-and-out comedy. Um, and, you know, I, I guess that's one of the reasons that they asked me to do it. You know, I've worked with James before, and like I said, I've come more from a sort of movie world than from a TV world. And so there, a lot of it was was there in the pilot script that, that we originally shot, and then... Really, I just if I did any, if I if I brought anything to the show, it was really to say to James and Matt, just just write it big, you know, don't mm. don't hold back, don't don't sit in a room and, and feel like oh it's a TV show, so we're not going to be able to do this, you know, we're not going to be able to do this to the scale we want. I said if if you write it, there'll be a way to shoot it, and I think uh, I said to them if you know if you don't write it, we'll ne- we won't shoot it. So. Um, it's a bit like the old phrase, you know. If, if you if you build it, they will come. Uh, so I, I just try to encourage them to to really to, to push it as far as possible, and then we'd 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 figure out the logistics later on. And the gags are very are very much underplayed as well, which is I, I think what people like. It's not it's not uh, slapstick really in any way. It's really it's really quite slick and stylish. Yeah, that, I think that was something you were going for. Particularly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we wanted we wanted Sam and Phil, James and Matt's characters, to to feel like they're. I mean, Phil, I guess, is a little more um, heightened, and that he's in his. He, but that's kind of what's going on in his head. I mean, in Phil's head, he's in an action movie. Um, Sam is the opposite. Sam doesn't want to be in an action movie. Hello. Picking up the phone, I see. I suppose you got the message. Yes, I got the message. So what can I do for you? You seem calm all of a sudden. I hope you're not planning something. No, no, not planning anything. Well, I wouldn't be so calm if a knife was being held to my wife's throat. Right, that makes sense. Oh, you don't believe me? She'll tell you. No, no, I, I believe you. There's no need to... Please, don't do... Don't do that! Stop it! Silly Billy. This would work as a feature film, really, wouldn't it? So why were James and Matt so keen that it be a television project, do you think? 
I think it would work as a feature film, but I think one of the reasons it works well as a TV show is that you're using that movie vocab uh, and you're putting it on the small screen. So part of the part of the the fun of the show is there's a sort of sitcom setup or a sitcom world that you then crash into a movie world. So so you know if you've seen episode 1, a slight spoiler alert coming up here, but if you've seen episode 1, uh <laughs> There's a car crash at the beginning of episode one. No way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> we um, we wanted that to we wanted that to take people by surprise. We wanted that to be the moment that you you go. Oh, I see. I see what this is. This is you know uh, the sort of collision of high stakes drama and very low stakes kind of sitcom storyline. Um. And that, to me, that's where the most successful elements of the show are when the, when the two when the two elements collide. What are you doing? I'm pulling down his pants. I can see that. Why? Humiliation. The first rule of taking a hostage: humiliate them, make them feel disgusted. This is Berkshire County Council, not Abu Ghraib. And we haven't taken a hostage. We just happen to have one. Was there any point where you you forgot you were making a comedy because it felt so filmic and you were doing? You know, uh, car chases and and chase scenes, and all these other. Did did you ever sort of lose yourself for a minute? Uh, occasionally, yeah. I mean, feel, filming action. Uh, you know, action is fun to watch, um, but it is incredibly tedious and time-consuming to film. And you know, filming car chases and fist fights and gun battles and people falling into water and all, all the stuff we do in the show yeah it's never it never feels that funny when you're shooting it because uh, it's just quite intensive you know and there's some very funny moments in the show where the boys have to do something quite big and dramatic and it's it's funny or at least we hope it's funny in the finished episode but when you're shooting it and you're staring at a 80 foot drop uh and you know you've got to f- film it in little pieces and it's freezing cold and everyone's fed up it's it's never quite as fun um and I remember also when I finished editing episode six, the, the finale of the series, I I sent an email <clears throat> to James and Matt saying, oh, I've just finished episode six. Um, I, I'm worried that it's not very funny. <laughs> 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 because one of the problems with making a show like this is is you, you set all these sort of plot lines up and running. And the problem with that is it means you've got to resolve them, you know, um, you had so, that resolution. Yeah, so episode six is... I mean, it is funny. I, I was being facetious, but... That, that's a that's a quote right there. Producer yeah. thinks episode six is not at all funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not outwardly as funny as the other episodes, but no. I think it's very it's a very satisfying episode. I think if, you, if you've... If you've engaged with the show and you've really kind of got along with it, I hope, I hope the finale will be satisfying to people because the show... If you've been watching, you know you'll you'll have got a sense that the show just sort of grows and grows, and it starts, you know, in a very small place and just gets bigger and bigger. And so, episode six is is quite a sort of is quite a big conclusion. But uh, don't don't fear, there are some jokes in there. This is in connection with Hulu. I think it's yeah. the first time BBC Two have done that. What does that actually mean? Well, it's the I think it's actually the second time because Hulu did invest in the thick of it. Um, oh my apologies. Was, yeah. That's right, but that, that was a um, sort of post um, 
you know, after the fact investment, you know, um, the thick of it, they'd already made the whole show and then Hulu decided to get involved. With our, with us, Hulu were involved from the very beginning um, and actually we quite literally couldn't have made the show without them. They were the, the missing piece that enabled us to make the show. Often when I speak to actors that are doing really well on television, their ultimate goal is to be in film. Mm. And I'm, I still wonder, do you get a sense of television still being lower grade to, to film, even now? No, I'd say, I mean, personally, I'd say it's the other way around at the moment. The, 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 the movie world is, is sort of in turmoil, really. I think, you know, that the big studios are, are torn between needing to make these big tentpole uh, movies, um, you know, which is their sort of lifeblood, um, and not really wanting to take the risks on the, on the smaller, you know, the smaller scale movies. And so as a result of that, I think a lot of filmmakers and a lot of actors uh, are, are sort of moving back across into TV. Um, and there used to be a lot of snobbery. You know, the film world used to view TV with a sort of look down its nose at the TV world. And um, pe- actors who worked in TV found it very hard to break into film because they were sort of typecast as TV actors. Um, I think that I think that divide is is dissolving. Um, and I think you know, if you look at what Netflix did with House of Cards, um, you look at you know, you look at. I mean, I, I made a movie. Uh, last year called uh, Butter, which came out last year, and um, that was released simultaneously theatrically and video on demand. Um, I think movie studios and independent film distributors are really having to sort of rethink how they release movies now, Um, and I think TV is having to have a similar... sit, sit itself down and have a similar conversation with itself. And I think it's all for the good. I think the quality of TV generally right now is is really strong. Everyone's saying, oh, TV's becoming more cinematic. And I think that's just because people are expecting, auditors are expecting more. The reason I was so keen to talk to you was The Wrong Man's is the first comedy for a long time where I genuinely laugh out loud throughout. Um, Do you feel that that it's harder to make a comedy now? Because there's been so many terrible comedies on recently, uh, I could list hundreds. <laughs> well, I think. Do you, do you think it's harder to make people laugh now? Um, I think people are, are harder to impress for sure, um, and I think um, there's been some excellent comedy over the last few years, and and you know, uh, as much as there has been stuff that hasn't been so successful. Um, uh, I don't know if it's harder to pay, make people laugh. I think it's harder to get people's attention now. Uh, there's a million and one channels. So if just on that on, on that alone, it's hard to make a noise and be heard and stick your head up and, and hope that people stick with your show. Because if you're even remotely uninteresting for half a second, people switch on to the next thing. You know, so... And I think with with um, you know the internet and social media, uh, there's a lot of demands on people's attention, um, and so it's quite hard now to have a show where you have tension and you and and you allow things to develop. And really, 
one of the things I've been happiest about with the response to the show is that people really stuck with that first episode and, and, and kept watching through to episode two because, you know, it's it's a different pace from, from sitcom and sketch. You know, it's 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 got more of a... It's still only half an hour, but it's got more of a kind of film pace to it. And I'm, I was pleasantly surprised that everyone stuck with it. Well, the to- like you say, the tone and the pace is is so much different. It does stand out. Yeah, but we we struggled a little bit in that a lot of you know, a lot of people wanted to sort of classify it as a sitcom, and because uh, people like neat pigeonholes to put things in. Um, yeah, you need a box to tick, really. Yeah, and so a lot of the TV listings were like new sitcom. I was like, ah, it's not really a sitcom. <laughs> uh, but then you don't want them to put comedy drama because famously comedy dramas aren't funny. No, all um, no. that dramatic, and they're yeah. usually an hour long as well, aren't they? If it's yeah, a comedy so we, drama, it has to yeah, be an exactly. hour long. <laughs> and so we came up with this, you know, well, we didn't come up with it, but we used, we tried to use the phrase comedy thriller, mm. which um, like is some, somewhere in the middle, I guess, of all that. But um, yeah, it's certainly not a sitcom. Now, I got into a long Twitter conversation about the wrong man's with a lot of different people the other day about a missing apostrophe. Hmm. Are you able to elaborate on that um, for our special apostrophe section of the podcast? <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yeah, that t- the title that has caused much consternation amongst uh, press sub-editors. Um, <laughs> Just desperate uh, to put it in. Please let me put it in. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, like, people, you know, calling it the wrong men. Um, and oh, the wrong no. man, and just just wanting to correct it, and I, I quite like I quite like that it's created that conversation in a way. The reason behind the title was simply that Matt and James uh, wanted, you know, th- their pitch on it was if this was the straightforward drama or the or a more straightforward comedy about Sam, it would just be called the wrong man, or potentially the wrong men and there's obviously a deliberate Hitchcock reference there Um, but because Phil tacks along for the ride and sort of adds himself into the process we felt like the S Mm. on the end is almost added by Phil and that's that's why yeah it's his doing and that's why in the title design the S always cuts on afterwards because it was the sense that it's just a little wink on the end of the title to make you go well this isn't this isn't taking itself too seriously i'm glad i'm glad you've solved all that now i could i can have apostrophe conversations <laughs> with with ease now are you watching all the social media then and that, and that side of it i i try to keep an eye on it you know we, we've got a whole um there is a sort of whole social media side to the show i, d- I don't know whether you've been following it but yeah. um mm. we created this sort of online world around noel um, and and Noel, Noel, who's sort of running this video dossier on Sam, and um, there are these extra episodes that are on the red button and they're online where you can sort of see what Noel's investigating um, wrongly. Um, and so we created a whole blog for him and a Twitter car- a Twitter account for him, um, and people are you know interacting with that. So I, I sort of I keep up to speed with that and sort of manage that process a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think you can go I think you can go stir crazy if you try and get too involved. But it's 
thankfully what I've seen has been really positive and um, and really encouraging. And I think it's great. I think it's great when people feel strongly enough about something that they want to tell their friends about it. Someone came up to me and said, I know why it's called The Wrong Man's. <laughs> I was like, well, so do I. <laughs> Did they tell you why? Did they tell like, you? But I, I actually know why it's called The Wrong Man. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, why, why is that then? They said, because there's going to be a character whose last name is Man's. He, he hasn't appeared yet, but he's going to appear in a later episode. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go and uh, have the boys rewrite the last four episodes. Are you allowed to say whether episode six is a conclusion, or do you think there's more of the wrong man's, possibly more life in it? Well, six? we are talking about doing more. Um, there's sort of various creative and logistical problems with that um, but we want to do more and BBC have asked us to do more um, but we're just trying to figure out figure out how and why as well I think it's important not just to bring it back for the sake of it but there's got to be a good story there and we don't just want to reboot it you know we can't just have the same can't just retread the same ground this series does resolve hopefully in a satisfying way but we do we do leave the show with a I don't I don't want to spoil it but there are there's certain unresolved things at the end of the series as well so um, there's definitely stuff to explore in another series like where Phil's mum got that pink car from exactly <laughs> exactly all these questions I have to know the answers to yeah exactly well we had, two, ever... had two of those pink cars by the way <laughs> really that, had two. That, I mean well because that's they... a gift in itself. So there's a there's a there's a there's a story. If you've been watching the show, there's a storyline um, that that um, uh, Matt's character can't drive a manual, and um, there's the in episode uh, two, um, you know that they've got Jason hostage in the back of their car, and Phil's having a, a fight with Jason while simultaneously trying to give Sam a driving lesson, <laughs> um, which is one of my favourite scenes actually. But um, they, the, the boys wrote this this scene, and we were talking about it for, for you know for months, and we had the whole thing planned. And then about two weeks before we started shooting, James said, "Oh, Jim, there's something I need to tell you. Actually, um, I can't drive a manual, and Matt can." <laughs> and I said, "Right." I said, "Well, why have you written? <laughs> why have you written it the other way around?" Because now we're going to have to have two of every vehicle. Because there's a, there's a fair few car stunts in the show. And, and gener- that's where the Hulu money comes in. Generally speaking, generally speaking, stunt drivers, you know, it's not that easy to do like 180 J-turns in an automatic. You know, you, generally you have to be in a manual. So we had to source uh, two vehicles um for, for for all the sort of main action vehicles, so that we did actually have two pink Nissans, and um, we spray painted them ourselves. So um, somewhere out there, there's two pink Nissans. That's going on the CV, isn't it? That you you sprayed a Nissan pink twice. Yeah, I, I should be clear. I didn't actually do it myself. But uh, oh, okay. Take the credit. You, had, you, you have sprayers <laughs> to do that for you. It now was, you've it was challenging at times, but it never got that bad. 
Can I just ask whose idea it was to put the sort of the closing cartoons in Ooh, the end yes. credits? Because I I quite like those. The sort oh of yeah, that's something that I I really wanted the show to to be more rounded than than just you know a straight ahead TV show that starts and finishes. So there's sort of two two things that I did to, to kind of help with that. One was to to have these cold open sequences which is sort of filmic pre-title sequences and um, which we shot in uh in in two three five ratio which is which is the sort of film uh anamorphic ratio um and then the uh, uh, um the bars the, the, the black letterboxing bars actually mm-hmm. animate out at the beginning of the show because i wanted the sense that you're kind of entering into the show yeah and you're entering into a movie uh, so that was one thing we did, and then yeah, the, the, the end titles. I wanted there to be like a, an extra layer that if you're watching, and it, you know they change every week, and there are little clues in there as to what's coming up next week. Um, so I wanted there to be a layer for the more observant viewer um, to enjoy these, these animations, but also get a sense that oh, if I watch if I watch closely, I might get a hint of what's what's coming up next week. Mm. Um, and they were created by these this excellent animation studio down in Bristol called High Sim. And, um, you know, we ref- referenced, you know, everything from Saul Bass through to, you know, uh, there's a computer game called Limbo. Uh, and, you know, we just, lots of kind of noir kind of references. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just an extra little, an extra little bow on the end of the show, I guess. Because the tone is so dark and you're sort of you're racing around everywhere, is it still a comedy set? Is it st- there's still a lot of falling about, laughing and messing about as well? Yeah, there was a lot of messing about. <laughs> 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 um, we had Jim Howick on set. Uh, he's a, he, he appears. He's the he's one of the guests at the dinner party at the end of episode um, three. I'm pretty sure that we did more takes of that scene. Than anything else in the entire series, because, and I'm the worst, by the way. I'm not even on screen, but I'm the, I'm the one breaking more takes than anyone else. So uh, yeah, there was a fair amount of silliness, but equally, a lot of it was shot. A lot of the series was shot at night in the freezing cold, and there's nothing funny about that. Well, I, I think it really paid off, and yeah. um, I just want to say thank you very much for for taking half an hour to speak with us. It's a great show. You must watch. Tuesday, 9 o'clock on BBC Two. You can also catch up on the iPlayer. And the DVD, I believe, is out on the 5th of November. I think it might be the, the 4th of November. Well, I might edit that out and say that <laughs> I thought it was the 4th. So, yeah, go for it. But, yeah. <laughs> Do it now. It'll, it'll be seamless. <laughs> seamless editor. <laughs> it's the 4th of November the DVD's out. Uh, and the blue You can pre-order well. it now anyway, so you can don't worry about it. Yeah. You're like that guy just... who thought he knew what the wrong man's meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, you can pre-order it now. It'll just arrive on the day it's out, which will happen to be the 4th of November. Um, and I just wish you all the best. Good luck with... Uh, what it, What are you doing next? Uh, so I'm, I'm directing a movie called uh, Virgin's America for Paramount, which is a remake or reimagining of the Inbetweeners movie. Oh, wow. wow. So just about to wade into that. I, I didn't know that was coming, so that's great. Yeah, so we're, we're just we're just um, we're just just getting started on it now. But it's yeah, it's, it's kind of taking the 
taking the the basic idea and and making it making it a standalone movie for an American audience. The Wrong Man's though, nine o'clock Tuesdays, BBC Two. Thanks ever so much, Jim. You can download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Thank you, Matt, for your contribution. Thank, thank you, Luke. In the background, that's fine. <laughs> the the canned laughter of the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Jim. Thanks. Take care now. Thank you. Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal.